It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ears up podcast. We are back with another show. This one's all about Dick Nunes. Yeah. He passed away recently, not too long ago, month and month and a half ago or so, something yeah, like that. A little little more than a month ago, yeah. Yeah. And Eric thought, you know what? This man needs his own tribute show because he's done so much for the Disney company. And uh I said, sure. Who? And he said Dick Nunes. And I said, Oh. Okay, yeah, sure. When what is that your show? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Okay, great. I love it even more. As long as it's my show. <laughs> you are in. Like, I don't know, man. I, who, whatever. It's fine. It sounds great to me. No, I, I do appreciate your level of, uh, not obsession, but knowledge, I suppose, excitement of the people that we don't really hear about in the parks too often, except when they pass or they retire, um, because I don't, I don't, I just don't have that, you know, I, I'm not like a, I, I don't, I don't get into it like that, like you do. Okay. So I really appreciate the fact that you, that you want to do this and you're going to educate us a little bit. And I think that's great. All right. Well, thanks for yeah. giving me a, a chance to talk about somebody who isn't one of Walt's nine old men. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not one of Walt's nine old men. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Uh, before we do start the show, though, Taryn is not going to be on the show tonight. Alice has been sick, man. And uh, so now Taryn thinks she's sick. So she's like, I don't know if I leave the show in the middle. Is it going to distract you? And I said, no, because I'm a professional, but I also don't want you to be sitting there worrying about whether or not it's going to distract me or it, it just, just don't, just don't show up. Just don't come but, in here. It's fine. You don't have to worry about it. Go rest. But don't worry. Taryn is, is sipping bone broth standing directly behind Jason right now. That's right. She's exactly she's just not that. talking. Yeah. She's a big <laughs> bone broth person. Yeah. Alice, I don't know, man. She came home Friday and got She's like, um, I don't know, kind of not feeling well or whatever. Saturday, she had a fever and just laid on the couch like she was poured out onto the couch and she just didn't Aww. move. Um, but she felt fine, I guess. And then uh, Sunday was the same. Monday, she woke up. Everything's fine. Like I slept in the spare room because um, Sunday night she was like, oh, I just I really just want to sleep in your room, mommy, daddy. And I'm like, bye. I can't, you know, our bed is, is large enough, but our daughter moves a lot <laughs> and I just can't. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in the spare room or whatever. And uh, so I wake up and she comes in with her little, this little pretend computer and she starts working, doing work and like just playing. I'm like, oh man, she's feeling good. But let's keep you home one more day because I want to be a responsible parent just in case it's either fake or, you know, you, uh, you're going to get someone else sick or whatever. Let's just stay home a day. So Tuesday, she goes to school. Wednesday, she goes to school. Everything's fine, right? Today, or no, yesterday, she came home and laid down on the floor in her room and fell asleep. Oh, <laughs> like, Alice, are you, are you fine? Yeah, I'm just really tired. Oh, okay. Sure. And then she, uh, she you know, her fever kind of came back. And then she, like, all day, she's just been, uh, all day today, she's been laying in our oh, bed gosh. until, like, 1130. And then she's been on the couch. Just miserable, man. Um, but she slept a lot and she feels better now. So I, I don't know what to do. But like, that's a freaky as a parent, like nothing really prepares you for your child being sick and you don't really know what to do or how to like help them feel better. It's very weird. And then it goes away and then it comes back suddenly. You're like, what's going on? Ugh, weird. Yeah. But uh, hopefully yeah. she'll be hopefully she'll be better tomorrow, mainly because 
tomorrow the kids get to dress up with their favorite sports team shirt or whatever. And we bought her a Liverpool jersey specifically for the day. And so I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, you're not going to get to everyone's not going to know how cool I am. Uh, but apparently, uh, maybe she'll go to school. We'll see. So anyway, what a cool father that. that child must have. That's exactly right. Yes. All the children will be like, Alice, dad, you're the best. And I'll say, I know, child. I know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's what's going on. Here, I like so, England sport. <laughs> it's you and me, baby. <laughs> you and me, Eric. Speaking of Eric, I don't know. And England sport. And England sport. Uh, His love of England sport. Yes. If you guys are planning on going to any of the Disney parks or on Disney Cruise, I really hope you'll consider reaching out to our travel partner, Concy Ears. Go to concyears.com and let them book your travel. You give them all your information, tell them your parameters of what you want, and they will book the best vacation for you. They will book the uh, closest hotels possible. They will book the best hotels possible within your budget. They will check and make sure that you're getting the best deal right before your trip starts. So you can hopefully potentially save some money and they will just rebook stuff for you. They will handle your reservations for dinner. They will guide you through Genie Plus and Lightning Lane and all that stuff. And all of this is free. There's no additional charge. It only charges what the parks would charge you on the website. That's it. And for the level of service that you get with concierge, it, I mean, it, it feels like stealing. Become a thief today and shop with concierge.com. Let concierge <laughs> be your, your travel partner as well. Absolutely. Steal and from them. Yes. Steal from us. And uh, let, let's look at Walt Disney World where, where if, you're, if you're just getting regular tickets, uh, the, the whole reservation system is going away. But we're also reintroducing the dining plans. <laughs> so we're, we're taking away a level, a level of uh, complexity and we're adding in more complexity. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. We'll tell you, just don't worry about the, the dining plan or yes, please absolutely do the dining plan you know, and we'll help you. Th- this is, this is one thing that, that I'm glad you guys are doing because Listening to Jeremy, he's the one who, who keeps me up to date with what's happening in <laughs> Disney World, mm-hmm. where it's, yeah, there's no reservations unless you're going for a certain amount of time, and then you need a park reservation. It's like, I just, I wouldn't go. It's too convoluted. It's too complicated right now, and I wonder when it's going to go away. I wonder when it's going to be like, fine, you know what? Show up whenever you want. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> that's, but, that's what Bob Iger will say in a few months. He's like, I, I I'm done with I, I can't figure it out anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Yeah. Just just come come but give us money and come on in. Do you think Bob goes to the parks like for fun? When was the last time you think Bob Iger went to Disneyland or Disney World or Disney Park for just like fun? Do you think do you think he considers that fun? You know, it, it, so as we're going to we're going to find out Dick Nunes was was famous for wearing Bermuda shorts as professional wear. Oh, I love I'd this like, man already. That's I'd like awesome. to see I'd like to see Bob Iger showing up with with a with a blazer and a shirt and a tie and Bermuda shorts and saying as he goes down like Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah, just wait. That'd be so cool. I don't think he <laughs> could. I think like I don't know the car the the Kardashians, which is, I hate my I need to rinse my <laughs> mouth out every time I say their last name. Uh, they go to Disneyland and they're fine, uh, but I don't think Bob Iger could go to Disneyland. I think he would just be inundated with people either complaining or, you know, throwing rose petals in front of him. Well, and I mean, at least we have Josh tomorrow showing up. 
does he just hang out in the parks and like chills? Uh, well, Josh has been known to to chill okay. and show up and right. and yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Bob, I don't know. I, I don't would know, imagine Bob. Iger is you know at the end of the day when the parks are closed and he wants to ride a ride, he just you know goes and does it. Hey, turn Tron on, <laughs> uh, uh, Mister. Mr. Iger, you're you're in California. Turn Tron on. <laughs> okay, let's get you back to the office, Bob. Let's <laughs> let's go. Uh, yeah, man, I think that'd be cool. All right, let's <laughs> learn a little bit about Dick Nunes, huh? All right, Dick Nunes. So Dick Nunes unfortunately passed just over a month ago, uh, December thirteenth, twenty twenty three, at the age of nineteen. Nineteen. Nineteen ninety one. Okay. He was 1991 years old. Damn. He was 91 years old. Uh, Dick was born on May 30th, 1932. So, yes, when he passed away at uh, the age of 91, it it's was in good, December. Good life, yeah. man. Good life. You know? And, and Dick, Dick is one of these, these heroes that I've always... He's somebody that I've always wanted to hear more about, but he's such a secretive guy he didn't release a memo. Uh, me- memo. Are you in fact all right? I am. I'm great. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, what Thank font you. are you reading at? Because maybe you might need uh, to increase it. Yeah, I, I might need to uh, increase the size of this. Yes. He didn't write a book until last year, hmm. and he didn't do a ton of a, a, a ton of uh, like D twenty three things. He he did a few. He didn't show up a lot. Uh, so Dick Nunes defined Disney legend. He spent decades at the parks. He worked for Disney for 44 years, constantly learning and improving the parks. Hmm. He was close friends with Walt himself, and he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Impossible. Let, I'm, like, you know what? I'm going to sign <laughs> up. I'm going to be an editor, and I want to make this man a, a friggin' Wikipedia page. How dare they? Right. How dare they? He he was rarely seen at events after he retired from from Disney. His appearance in the Imagineering story was actually a surprise to a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah, uh, like you, people like me going, "Who?" Uh, right, right. You're like, "Who's <laughs> this guy sitting yeah. in front of the gates and talking? What? Who, who's this guy?" But thank goodness he got a memoir out. That's the word I was trying to say earlier. Not ah. memo, memoir. <laughs> okay, either way. Uh, the book is wild. I loved reading this book, and most of what I'm going to talk about tonight is from this this book. Okay, awesome. Uh, the book is Walt's Apprentice, Keeping the Disney Dream Alive. And he really was. He was a friend of Walt. He spent a lot of time with Walt. And I could probably talk about this guy all day. I, I mean, if if it were up to me, I'd just read this episode tonight would be me just reading his book <laughs> to all of you. I think that's how I felt about the uh, <laughs> buying Disney's world or buying Disney's land or whatever. The Aaron Goldberg book, buying Disney's oh, yeah. world. That's how I, it sounds like that's how I felt. It was like, I just want to read the book. Right. Cause it's so right. well done. And there's a lot of cool information. Like how do you parse this down? You're missing out on the cool parts of the stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Dick, Dick had this way of, of doing things where, He's so pragmatic. He's an operations guy. He wasn't an Imagineer. He was operations. And he was constantly fighting with Imagineers because they 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 said, here's the creative thing we're doing. And he'd go, you need another garbage can there. 
<laughs> See, that would be me. I'm telling you. <laughs> that would 100% be me. Tara and I were talking about this about she took some personality quiz at work and it divides you up into like disruptors, which is not a good term necessarily, um, but it, it, it's meant in a positive way. And then basically like thinkers and, and problem solvers and problem creators or whatever, where mm -hmm. people be like, are creatives, that's creatives and disruptors. That's what it is. Where okay. people who go, we should really do this. And then you have the disruptors going, but, shh, but, but does it need to happen? Right. And then there's other people going, okay, to do this, you're going to need this, this, and this. Yeah. And that's, that's Dick. And he was, I have a degree in project management. Um, I've, I've studied a lot of uh, process improvement. It, listeners know I'm, I'm a pharmacist. Like I've been doing this for a long time. I, I'm not, I'm not standing there like putting pills in bottles anymore. I'm learning how <laughs> well, to, at least not on the clock. Uh, yes. Not, a, not on the clock. I, I tend to put pills in bottles, you know, later on in the day, just, yeah. just for the old, the old times. Right. Right. Know. Right. But yeah, like I, the idea is how do we be more efficient? How can we increase capacity? How can we do things better? That fascinates me. And that's why I love this guy because that was his career. So here we go. Let's do it. Strap in. All right. Everybody. Oh, I'm strapped. Oh, he, he's strapped. All right. It's California. Go. man. You got to be just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Let's do it. All right. So uh, Dick was born nice. on May 30th, 1932 in Cedartown, Georgia, which was also home to uh, Sterling Holloway, the original voice of Winnie the Pooh. Ooh, okay. They nice. did not know each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Hmm. But uh, Dick's parents were Winnie, his mother, and Doyce, his father. Okay. Names you don't hear often these days, no. except for Dick's older brother, who was also named Doyce. 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 That it, man. These old names that just kind of fell out of favor are. Right. There's a reason, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can get away with Doyce these days. No, especially like uh, you know when I was going to school in like the '90s, like middle school, it was like Doy, you know, like yeah, duh. yeah. This kid would be. <laughs> Taunted mercilessly. Yeah. Well, Doyce did all right. I bet. And uh, Doyce Sr. also presumably did all right. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, so essentially, this kid had it, had it rough. He was not, they, they were not an affluent family. They just worked hard. Um, and Dick looked up to his parents and his brother as examples of how to work hard it, one of his earliest jobs before he got into college was working in a lumber mill so this is a teenager who's going through high school who works in a lumber mill wow like this is this is work ethic this kid knew how to pick things up and put them over there like that's that's a big deal and this this influenced him very in a in a very big way yeah so he got out of out of high school he was going to college and uh, USC, University of Southern California, I okay. think that's what that's what we call call that the, sure. the USC Trojans. Yeah, recruited him. He was a footballer, so uh, he had a major in education, and he was uh, recruited on a four year scholarship to be part of the the football program. 
He was very proud to be a non-smoker and a very light drinker. Proud. <laughs> proud. I guess back then, so he was born in 33, so what is that? Late 40s, early 50s? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. smoking then. Yeah, it's like the cool thing to not smoke at that point. Right. Yeah, okay, I get that now. Con- and, contextually, and, I get that. Right, and here's the deal. So during his initiation into his fraternity that he got into, one of the one of his uh, senior classmen tried to shove a cigarette in his mouth to force him to smoke. <laughs> and in this book, he writes, yeah. that did not go well for him, but I got into the frat anyway. <laughs> like, what did he do? Did he clock this kid as a football <laughs> player? I would imagine so. Probably. <laughs> man, hazing. Hazing has changed. I tell you what, man. Right, right. You know, now it's drink four gallons of water in an hour and then go streaking through the quad. But now it's like, oh, we're going to tackle Dick and shove a cigarette in his mouth. (laughs) This ain't going to go well for you, kid. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's Dick Nunes. Uh, So while he was in school, he worked as an extra in multiple movies because a lot of uh, like football themed movies were filmed at USC. So he was. He was in those movies. He was also in one of the Bonzo movies where a chip played football. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, the 40s. Why not? Or, or early 50s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Late 40s, early 50s. Uh, so he played football and he was he was good. He was a halfback. Uh, November 2nd, 22nd, 22nd, 1952. It was his sophomore year. USC versus UCLA. This was a giant game. Major rivals fighting for the chance to get into the Rose Bowl. And he had a major tackle in the third quarter. And after that major tackle, he was proud that instead of being carted off the field on a stretcher, he walked off the field, sat down and told the uh, the coach, um, yeah, if you held up your hand, I'd see 25 fingers. <laughs> and his coach said, uh, maybe maybe you should go, go to Good Samaritan and get an X-ray. Well, it's a good thing that he went to get an X-ray after the game because his uh, physician told him that a good sneeze would kill you. Dick had shattered his first cervical vertebra. Jeez. Was that high up on the neck? That's the top one. The top. Oh, so, God. So he had not, it, it wasn't displaced. So the, the nerve wasn't moved. It wasn't, it wasn't cut. Okay. Which would kill him. Okay. Right. But any amount of movement could have killed him. His trainer said, Hey, should I crack your neck? <laughs> and Dick said, It's lucky that I didn't say yes. Because that would have that would have killed him. Can you imagine that trainer? Hey, should I crack your neck? And then he just drops down. Like, <laughs> talk about ruining uh, that man's life. I mean, you know, obviously because he killed this other kid, but like, just traumatized man. Oh gosh, yeah. So he was fitted with a brace that covered him from neck to waist for 15 months during rehab. God. So he was done with football. He considered it a major tragedy that he could not play during the Rose Bowl. He had to watch it as a spectator. He was given as winners of the Rose Bowl. They were all given uh, watches and he got one of the watches. Sure. 
And he was able to stay on for two more years at USC with his scholarship. They continued to honor his scholarship. So he continued to go to school. They should. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good on them. During this time, he tried to get into the Air Force, but apparently a broken neck disqualifies you from getting into the Air Force. I mean, look, man, if bone spurs can, a broken neck can probably do that as well. I would hope so. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine this kid showing up to the Air Force with this <laughs> massive brace? Uh, why can't you turn your neck? Oh, it's broken. Um, I think that's on the list here as disqualifiers. Right. During this time, he met Hubert Hobie Alter, who, if you are a surf fan, is the father of surfboards. Okay, that's cool. So uh, once he got that uh, brace off, Hobie taught him to surf. So Dick was a surfer. Nice. And ha- and treasured for his entire life one of the original Hobie surfboard, balsa surfboards. Wow. That he held on to for his entire life, even though he didn't surf his entire life. He held on to that for a long time. That's cool. So once he graduated from school, he was he was majoring in education. So he tried to get into the L.A. school system as a teacher. And the recruiter was uh, rude to him. The recruiter refused to shake his hand when he walked into the interview. And uh, Dick, this is indicative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was not my intent. But uh, Dick got a sense of the way things were going in the interview. And stopped the interview and demanded that the recruiter shake his hand. <laughs> Damn. I love it. He, he uh, got the recruiter in his meat hooks mm. and uh, shook his hand very forcefully. The recruiter said, hey, that hurts. <laughs> Dick said to the recruiter, and this is, this is a direct quote from his book. If you shut up for a minute and let me finish, it won't hurt as much. If you're the type of person I'm going to have to deal with in the L.A. city school system, you couldn't pay me enough to be a part of it. Wow. And he left. Damn. <laughs> I feel like him and Rolly were like cut from the same cloth in that regard. I mean, not as aggressive, but just in like the I'm not I, I know what I I know what I want. I know what I don't want. And this is exactly what I don't want. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's a Rolly story coming up later. Good. So um, during during school. Uh, one of his fellow uh, USC Trojans was Ron Miller, okay. a future CEO of Walt Disney. Wow. I feel like being LA being in LA in the fifties, that's, that's where, that's where you were. That's where there you that, go. That's the place to be. But yeah. So he had met Walt Disney during college because Ron was dating uh, Diane, Diane Disney yeah. and eventually married Diane Disney. And, uh, he got Dick got invited over to the Disney household and he got to meet Walt. So when, when Disneyland was becoming a thing, Ron reached out to Dick and said, Hey, we need some training instructors. And there is a position posted. You should interview. So Ron went to interview with Van France, one of the, the early leaders who uh, worked under CV wood, the original, the, plan, uh, the master planner of Disneyland. Yep. Yeah. Right. Well right. Aware, we've, yeah. we've talked about, we've <laughs> talked about uh, that guy. Yep. And uh, yeah. So Van was an old friend of CP Woods. And when he met 
Ron, uh, no, when he met uh, uh, Dick Nunes, he said he was impressed that he showed up on time. He was impressed that he showed up wearing a suit. Hmm. He did not like that Dick Nunes was wearing blue suede shoes. (laughs) But he hired him anyway to be his first orientation training instructor. And uh, that was how Dick got involved in the Disney company. So his first job was 1955 orientation instructor at Disneyland. And he and Van France built the entire Disney way. Wow. They they developed the entire instruction for all of this. And uh, he said, you know, years later, he said, well, if I had realized that this would be such a big thing, I would feel a little bit embarrassed that we did the entire thing based off of a felt board and a slide projector. <laughs> but he taught everybody how to how to do Disney. After that, he he was he was into Disneyland. Uh, he created the the first training program. Uh, his main theme was you will create happiness for others. Their basic tenets were dis- deliver quality, keep the park clean, and be friendly. And that was the Disney way. Uh, they used first names only. They called people guests. This, these were different things. This was not the normal way you went about, about customer service. Yeah. And they wanted to be different. And Walt, Walt supported that. Uh, many years later, following Walt's death, they created the traditions program, both Van and Dick. Uh, and they wanted to continue Walt's lessons. They wanted to basically immortalize Walt's way of looking at the parks. Dick was a staunch believer in standards of behavior and dress. Van France left the company a few years after Disneyland opened, and he came back later on in the 60s, and he ended up working for, for Dick when Dick had become a director of operations. And... That that relationship was fine. The two of them were 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 great together. It wasn't a big deal that that the master had become the apprentice, that sort of thing. But uh, but Van wasn't was was a little bit of a sloppy guy. He didn't dress the best all the time, and uh, he showed up for work a few days in a row wearing a uh, a shirt with a frayed collar. Oh, that's a big no no, brother. Yeah, and Dick addressed it with Van directly and told Van, "You need to get you need to get a better shirt. You need to wear something that is appropriate." Yeah. Van showed up the next day wearing the same shirt with the frayed collar, and Dick literally ripped it off of his back. <laughs> this is the man. He ripped the shirt off of a guy and said, "This is inappropriate. Get out of here." Yeah. That's inappropriate. <laughs> The shirt is inappropriate, brother. So I'm going to uh, literally assault you and then strip you half naked in, in front of your coworkers. Right. That's what I'm going to do. Guy's a psychopath. This, I love it. This is the man. He is, he is hilarious. This is why I love the guy. Uh, so Dick did whatever was necessary. He, during the early days of Disneyland, he would clean. He would unload trucks. Four days before the park opened, it's Walton Lillian's 30th anniversary party. So this is the famous night where they had uh, they had a party on the Mark Twain. They had a, a party at the Golden Horseshoe and mm-hmm. and Walt was drunk and <laughs> all of these great things. So that particular day, 
Dick estimates that he worked about 24 hours. He taught orientation in the morning to the new crew of hires. He worked with safety and traffic control in the afternoon as the anniversary part as the anniversary party guests showed up. He was a security officer as the party guests arrived. He spent six hours working as a bartender on the Mark Twain, and then he cleaned up the Mark Twain that night and went home. This is Dick Nunes. Man, (laughs) no, no, could never be me. That's too much, man. It's too much. So once the park opened, he was promoted to run the mailroom and the phone switchboards, like literal switchboards where you have to move the, the, the pegs and everything. Yeah. Uh, so he was in charge of that team for a while, and he hated it. Now, one of the great things about this book is that at the end of every chapter, Dick writes a lesson learned. Hmm. Interesting. Because... It, it, he most of the time after he left Disney, after he retired from Disney, he did leadership seminars, not yeah. not like the, hey, I'm going to go to these places and talk about what it, how great it was to work at Disney. He talked about his life lessons as a manager. So his life lesson from this portion, which I think is fantastic. Well, let's see. The, his for, one of his earliest lessons learned is. Being handed things is an early ad- is an early advantage, but learning to work for things benefits you in the long run. Wow. Okay. I mean, he's not wrong, but right. Sometimes you have to work hard to realize a dream, but you have to let it go because a bigger, better dream is waiting for you. That is literally never my life. <laughs> but yeah, his his lesson that he learned during this period was basically, you might hate your job. But do it well, and something something good will come of this. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly how you should be. But also, right. this man got a free four-year ride to college. So don't start talking to me, pal, about <laughs> getting handed stuff is no good and you got to work for it, okay? You didn't pay a single dime for college. Oh, well. All right? Give me that nonsense. Hey, he broke, he broke his damn neck. I don't eh, know. Whatever, you know? Only the weak vertebrae shattered. There you go. Yeah. Well, a, a few months after he was running the mailroom and he he improved its efficiency, mm-hmm. he figured out the best ways to run the mailroom. He was promoted to a uh, assistant supervisor of Frontierland and Adventureland. What a weird promotion! Yeah. This, this is this is the. the they're figuring things out. They're like figuring this is the things first out. year of operations. Right. So to me, that means, Hey, I know whoever promoted him. I don't, I don't know how the hierarchy was. Maybe it was Walt. Maybe it wasn't like, I saw how well you did here improving how the mailroom functions. We need help in frontier land because things are weird and things aren't flowing well. So how, let's, let's take the smart kid and move him over here because that's, you know what I mean? That's the only thing I can think about because in no, in no reality, well, I, I would imagine you have a company where someone's working the mail room and then they go <laughs> and figure out a whole department works. Well, that's just he, weird. He had, he had trained almost everybody who was working at the parks. Okay. So he had already distinguished himself. It was, it was like a, well, let's promote you. Cause he, he likes to say that um, when he was first working, he made $1 and 80 cents an hour. Yeah. And Van France, his boss at the time, said, no, you made two dollars an hour when I hired you. 
And apparently they argued about this for years. <laughs> so this, I mean, moving to the mailroom was, uh, and, and, and switchboard was a, was a promotion. We're going to reward you. It's a crappy job. He didn't, he was, he resented not being in the parks. That was his main thing. He wanted to be there with all the cast members. So y- yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That's fine. <laughs> But yeah, as as the assistant supervisor, he started to keep a notebook where he would time the attraction loading, trip times, and unloading times. So he okay. started to he he built metrics on on these attractions. By the way, nobody else was. Just so you know, a dollar eighty in nineteen fifty five, dollar eighty an hour is now twenty dollars and sixty cents. Just in still case, not great. Just still not great. But just in case anybody's <laughs> wondering about like, oh, these people should make $15 an hour and there's no reason we can't afford housing for everybody. There's no reason why people are struggling and have two jobs. They just need to work harder. All right. There you go. Well, as he went through this stuff, he befriended Walt. Smart move. Walt really appreciated what he was doing. So he developed this close working relationship with Walt Disney himself. So close. That uh, Dick was the 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 only person to tell Walt, hey, um, so you know how cast members aren't allowed to smoke while they're on the job? And Walt said, yeah, it's like you shouldn't smoke on the job. You shouldn't smoke when you're walking around the parks. People know you're you're Walt Disney. Mm. And Walt said, but I'm Walt Disney. (laughs) Yeah, which is a good reply. Right. And Dick said, but none of us are allowed to smoke while we're on the job. And Walt actually said. While I am in front of the public, I will not smoke. Walt actually backed down. Absolutely. Against this guy. Yeah. That's good. And th- you know what? That's a kind of a, a cool thing about Walt is he had these parameters. And yeah. I, think, I think he was okay operating within them. You know, it's, it's, it's never like, oh, I'm above everything because of this. Uh, because who I am who I am. And, you know, obviously you just, you, you gave the example of, of, a, of a time when that happened. But for the most part, I feel like he didn't really do that i think that's how he was like really relatable right so that's right, cool yeah. i mean that's sort of expected I, I like that yeah it's if if he's saying it's all about the show then you need to be part of the show too yeah yeah if you're going to be in front of house you better be following front of house rules yeah. yeah and and dick learned from walt that we've all heard these stories about how walt would go on the rides he'd walk around the park he'd kind of disguise himself a little bit by wearing a hat and maybe the slightly larger mustache. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Pants not quite up above his navel. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, who's Such this kid? Low pants. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Walt would go around the park because he wanted to see what it was like from the guest perspective. Dick learned that from Walt and he kept that with him his entire career. It's super smart. You mean, you, you have to do it, you know, yeah. any business you have. I mean, look at the, um, like undercover boss. They have a whole friggin' reality series about it. you know what i mean yeah uh but yeah so very quickly so 1956 dick is assistant supervisor by 1961 he is director of operations for all of disneyland wow and uh during that time he also helped with the opening and closing ceremonies of the squaw valley olympics in Mm -hmm. 1960 uh, he helped with all four of the attractions at the 1964 World's Fair. He was tasked with bringing the Disneyland level of quality and 
and uh, customer satisfaction, basically, to a non-Disneyland location. And when he was asked which which ride he would personally want to be in charge of uh, once in charge of operations. Yeah. Walt said, well, which one do you want? And he said, well, the carousel of progress is going to be easiest. So I want it's a small world. (laughs) And so he would ride the he would ride it multiple times per day, watching to see when people laughed, when people were happy, how people reacted to it and would help plus it up as as they went through the fair. Huh. Okay, so he was monitoring that ride to during the fair right. to see what improvements and changes they would make when it came to Disneyland. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What a what a what a masochist. <laughs> well, he 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 liked his work. Uh so he he helped out with all of that when so we've all heard the story of how uh Walt wanted to make a St. Louis indoor park. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was involved with that discussion, and he he gave a fact that I've never in this book. He he wrote about something I've never heard before. Apparently, Walt always planned on doing both Walt Disney World in Florida and Disney St. Louis Riverfront Square at the same time. Hmm. So Dick was very happy when they canceled the St. Louis project because he didn't want to do two projects at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, man. Let's take a quick break, everyone. We're going to come right back here and learn more about the great Dick Nunes here on Ears Up. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears Up. All right. Thanks for hanging on, everybody. We are smack dab in the middle of the life of Dick Nunes, former USC football player and bully of Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is how I interpret that. Yes. Um I I've got I've got a few nicknames that Dick actually listed for himself. Okay. Okay. In in his memoirs um at, at the end. It, you know what? Let let's skip ahead to the to the nicknames. Let's do it. We we've heard a little bit about Nick uh Nick. Dick and his character so these nicknames make a little bit of sense. Uh, so when he was in college, he was named he was called Golden Boy because of his blonde hair. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, when he started out at Disneyland, he was called Hopalong Capacity instead of Hopalong Cassidy. Okay. Uh, he was also called the White Cyclone when he would make his walks through the park and and. Like Walt style and judge everybody. The white cyclone. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 That's a little 50s. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Uh, his favorite nickname was SOB number one. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Uh, I could see that being his favorite. That'd be mine too. One of his assistants would actually, he'd catch her when, when he'd walk through the room, she would sing under her breath, M I C K E Y. Oh, you SOB. <laughs> <laughs> Who was SOB number two? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Mm. Uh, the the nickname that he disliked was Tiny Pants. Oh, what? So, as I alluded to earlier, uh, he was fond of wearing Bermuda shorts. Okay. And uh, he got to a point where when he was in Florida... Uh, so he worked both coasts for quite a lot of his career 
and Paris and Tokyo, but uh, he changed the rules to allow supervisors and office personnel to wear Bermuda shorts with shirts, ties, and blazers from June through September so in Florida. What is a Bermuda short? Am I Because in my mind, I'm thinking they're just like Hawaiian print shorts. It's, no, it's, it's like khaki shorts. Khaki? <laughs> okay. Khaki shorts. And he would wear this with a tucked in shirt and a tie and a blazer? Yes. Dog. What the- he he once went to a a fancy restaurant in Orlando no, where all the stop. movers and shakers went, and he was wearing his shirt, tie, blazer, and khaki shorts. No. What do you do with the socks? Was he hiding his sock garters? I'm, oh gosh, he seems like a I, sock garter guy. They must they must have been all the way up to his damn knees. Oh my god! But he and shows he, up. And he had the balls to tear the shirt off of some man's back because his collar was frayed. Homie, your changed, knees are showing. What are you he doing? He changed the dress code. <laughs> but he went to this fine dining establishment with his wife. They turned him away and he said, no, no, no. Your policy says shirt, tie, and jacket are required. I am wearing those. I, they, they let him in. I love that for him. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy. I love this guy. Uh, me too. I feel I can't tell if he was like the original Karen or if he was just <laughs> sort of like punk rock where he's just like, no, dude, I'll do whatever you tell. The letter of the law is the letter of the law. Right. I write the law. Yeah, right. I can have three <laughs> legs and 14 shoes on one hand, but it doesn't say anything about that. The dress code. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, come on. I mean, he wore blue suede shoes to a job interview. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. I think he was sort of like early punk rock, you know, kind of like, let's buck the establishment, but also get the job to be the establishment. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, joining back where we were uh, before we were rudely interrupted by by advertisements. Uh, yeah. Th- Dick continued to excel. He continued to move up in the ranks. Uh, eventually he became director of operations by 1967. He was chairman of the park operations committee uh, by 1968. He was the vice president of operations at Disneyland. And uh, in 72, he was the executive vice president of Walt Disney world and Disneyland. So as he continued on, he, he kept on picking up these, these additional duties as needed. As he would say, uh, so when Mary Poppins premiered at Grauman's Chinese Theater, he was in charge of building the English garden that they created in the parking lot of the theater for the premiere. Okay, cool. Uh, He was part of the executive crew that scouted out Project X, Mm. which was Walt Disney World. During this process, because he was so frequently in Orlando, he adopted a fake persona. <laughs> okay. Okay. He, he, this could, his name was this could Joe go. Schneider <laughs> of Continental Canning. Uh, he stayed at the same hotel every, every visit. Continental Canning was a real company, and the, the hotel got to know him. And one of the desk clerks, when he showed up one night, was very concerned and they, because they had learned that continental was not doing well and was going to be closing a few of their centers and laying off a bunch of people. So 
Dick had to kind of pivot and go, oh, yeah, it's real. It's real rough. This man has a secret family. I mean, he, ha- he had to have had a secret family somewhere. His, this is his not lesson, normal behavior. Oh, gosh. Yeah. His lesson learned for that chapter was if you need a cover story, choose something boring so people don't ans- don't ask questions. <laughs> Who needs a cover story? This is what I'm saying. Also, what's more boring than canning? And that was that was his point, because right. nobody ever asked him about canning until that moment. Until when, it, right. When when somebody's like, oh, that guy's real nice. Oh, no, his company's not doing well. <laughs> well, you can tell they weren't doing well because he couldn't afford the bottom half of his pants. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, so he was instrumental in in a lot of things that went on during the 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 preparation for Walt Disney World. During this time, he was still going back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast because he was still in charge of Disneyland. August 6th, 1970 was the Yippie invasion. Have we talked about the Yippie invasion yes, on I this did show? A whole, I did a story okay. years. Like, I think it was one of maybe the first year or two that a whole thing on the Yippie riots. Okay, yeah. I thought so. Yes. Yeah. So to remind people, this was this was a bunch of uh, a bunch of folks who were protesting the Vietnam War and invaded Disneyland. And only a few hundred of them showed up instead of the thousands that they were trying to get. Dick Nunes was part of the reason why this was a nonviolent reaction to this. They knew this was coming, so he had the police on standby. And really, the only real violence was when he pulled a protester off of the flagpole in town square. (laughs) A guy who was trying to climb the flagpole to steal the American flag. Yeah. Nunes pulled him off of the flagpole. Dude took a swing at Nunes. Dick subdued him and had him arrested and showed up at this dude's trial. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love that. I love the showing up at the trial. Like, that's just a a period on the sentence. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, his preparation w- was attributed as one of the main reasons why this protest didn't get violent. Uh, so I- at the same time, he's helping get Walt Disney World off the ground um, as they're preparing Walt Disney World. Opening days approaching We're we're having a similar situation to Disneyland where where opening day is here and we are not ready. So one of these stories that has been attributed to him for a long time that he confirms in his memoir. The contemporary resort was not landscaped on opening day Hmm. or or, in preparation for opening day. So it's 3 a.m. He radios his Nunes Raiders, which is what he called his SWAT team of operations people, and says, meet me at the hotel to lay sod. One of these workers, one of these kids approaches him and says, Mr. Nunes, I've never laid sod before. And Dick says, first off, my name is Dick, not Mr. Nunes. Second, green side up. <laughs> and that became their rallying cry for the entire night. Green side up. Everybody's chanting green side up. He bought everybody T-shirts that read green side up the week afterward because these people laid out sod before the opening of Walt this Disney is World. Such, this is such a, a dramatic shift in, in the relationship that we have with our jobs now. Yeah. Nobody would do this. I feel like nobody would do this. And, and he was part of it. Yeah. He said management has to be there. We're all doing this together. 
See, and I think that's that's a big difference. Um, but you know, also back then in the seventies, like you you picked a job, you picked a corporation, you picked a company, and you stayed there right. because that company would look after you. Right. And that has shifted in the 80s and 90s. And then now we're all reaping the benefits of that where it's like, no, I'm not going to do anything extra because you're just going to tell me I'm going to get a raise. And then you we suddenly can't afford it. But then the company has record profits and they do stock buybacks. I'm going to leave, you know, like so there's no there's no incentive to do that. But back then, I feel like that's what you want to do. You want to get in good with the boss so the company keeps you on. Right. It's just a weird shift, man, in, in what, 50 years or whatever it is? Well, yeah. And I mean, early 70s in in central Florida, like there were no jobs. There were no people like they had to. Right. Yeah. From what I've heard, like they had to recruit like drunks and, you know, <laughs> whoever they could find to work at this place. Sounds like not much has changed. You know what I mean? Oh, uh-huh. hey. um, yeah. but yeah. So it, like it's. This is a guy who rallied a team and said, you're going to show up here. We're going to get this done. We're going to make this place look good. And they did. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, he he was sleeping at the lot. He was sleeping in a trailer at Walt Disney World because it, early on he had these hotels when they were scouting the place out. And then they they built these homes kind of in the area for the executives who were going to work on Walt Disney world. He was sleeping in a trailer at the job site for months as, as the deadline approached and he kept on, he would set meetings earlier and earlier because he was there. So one of these, one of his, (laughs) I uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he started setting these meetings earlier and earlier. And then finally, one day, all of the executives showed up wearing pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally got the message. And he said he set the meetings a little bit later. <laughs> it seems like a really cool work environment. Right. Like, I mean, that's amazing to have that kind of camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, Dick is responsible for doing the groundwork, testing, and then recommending the utilidors under the magic kingdom Mm. the series of tunnels underneath the park Mm -hmm. Uh, but he but instead of just saying maybe we should do this he was responsible for having engineers test the ground level to say yes this is possible we can do this the newness tunnels i feel like they need to be renamed there we go um he determined that the best way to open walt disney world was to open it in uh, on October 1st, which is one of Disneyland's weakest time periods. Hmm. And there weren't that many people that showed up those early days. And he promised Roy Disney that by Thanksgiving, they would be at capacity. And they were November 26th. There was a massive traffic jam on the expressways. And it, it, it was his way to say, Hey, let's maybe have fewer people show up early and then we can uh, find where all the problems are and then fix them. So he took he took the data from Disneyland, assumed it would translate over to Disney World with the low traffic and it sort of did. Yeah. 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 And he used it as a way to do kind of a soft opening and and fixed all the problems before everybody showed up. Uh, One of the problems that he eventually fixed was uh, the wave machine at Beachcomber Island. Have you heard about the the wave machine at Walt Disney World, Jason? No. They built a wave machine on this island that projected toward the Polynesian. Okay. 
And the idea was to have surfing. Oh, yeah. On the Seven Seas Lagoon. That would be cool. And so Dick tested this out. Dick, a a a, a major, like a surfer, yeah. an actual surfer. Right, right, right. Uh, tested this out. He didn't get a chance to do it a whole lot because uh, it was swiftly eroding the beaches of the Polynesia. Okay, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me, Eric, that replicating an act of nature that by itself causes erosion. Yes. It actually caused erosion, even in the controlled environment that they had built for it. It still right. did what it would actually is like what it does. That's weird. Absolutely. No yeah. Yes. But he, he swears that the, the, the mechanism worked well, but it was destroying the beach. So he, <laughs> he shut it down. Okay. He eventually got his wave machine in uh, Typhoon Lagoon, their second water park where they could make giant waves and you can you can still show up and do surfing lessons at Typhoon Lagoon in the morning. I don't know why, but I feel like those water parks were like relatively on the newer side of, of Disney world history. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first water park was wet and wild. The, the like generally regarded the first water park was wet and wild in the Orlando area in 1973. See, I think that's too that's too far away for me, for my brain to comprehend. Okay. I don't know why. Like, I feel like the whole concept of water parks is like 80s. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they blew up because after, after that, in 1973, then I think it's 1973. Um, and then they built River Country at Disney, uh, at Walt Disney World. Thank you. Uh, the year later. Yeah. We don't say Disney on this show. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's no, Disney Wal- World. At Walt Disney World. Thank you. Walter Elias Disney World <laughs> yes, resort in Florida. <laughs> uh, they built River Country in the Fort Wilderness area. Uh, that was the next one. And that was a, a freshwater park where it wasn't it wasn't like chlorinated water. It was real lake water. Oh, good. That's such a good idea. Yes. <laughs> it lasted for a long time. A long ass time. Sure. Man. Well, they didn't really Let's talk let, about River Country. They didn't really someday. know about like Pink Eye that well. I feel like that's just that's not. <laughs> Somebody died because of a, uh, a a a an amoeba. Oh God. Yeah, they would have no idea. We'll, we'll get into that in an, in another episode. Uh, but that was the next one. And yes, then the proliferation just kind of blew up in the late seventies and early eighties. Okay. For for water parks. Uh, but yes, so it, this man was in charge of all of these things. He opened Epcot. He opened MGM. He opened Typhoon Lagoon. He opened Euro Disney. He opened Tokyo Disneyland. He was the one that trained these executives who came from Tokyo to Disneyland to learn how Disney does customer service. I don't know why that's so wild to me. I I, I don't know. It's, it seems like... Um... These are the parts of Disney. This is why we started the, the whole show, right? The whole network, the whole thing in the first place was Disneyland Park specific history. But the deeper you go into the corporate history, it's such a it's such a different animal than like the history of Google or whatever. Right. Because they're 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 redefining or they're even not even redefining. They're defining. Right. Training protocols and what to do and how to do it and bring people over. And it feels like they were much nicer, much kinder about it. Um, where I feel like nowadays you just, you hear about, oh, they just wine and dine everybody when you bring investors for 
such and such company, they go out and they go to the club or whatever. But like, I don't know, it just seems much more of a, I don't know, cult of personality kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and people still to this day pay Disney to teach them the Disney way. Yeah. Like other corporations. I worked for Safeway for years. I know our leaders went to a Disney training session. You worked for Safeway. They're they're out here in the Bay Area. They're headquarters I, in Pleasanton. I know. Look at yes. that. Yeah. Right. I worked for Safeway for 12 years. See, there you go. Everyone <laughs> needs baggers and cart handlers. So that's There good. we go. Yeah. And I was one of them as a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Cart. Yeah, sometimes you have to ring people up for buying gum. I don't that's know. True. <laughs> that's true, man. Uh, but yeah, so like this guy was there for so long doing yeah. all of these things. And despite being so involved in operations and so involved in process improvement and efficiencies at his core, everything was this is the Disney way Van France and I created the Disney way based off of what Walt wanted. And we're going to keep pushing this. So, so here, here's some fun little, uh, noonisms. Okay. Okay. As he calls them. Yeah. One day he was sitting in front of Cinderella castle at Walt Disney world with Rolly Crump. And this is a Rolly Crump story. Rolly liked to tell this story about Dick. A guest dropped a box of popcorn and walked away. Rolly asked if Dick was going to pick that up. (laughs) Dick said, Look at your watch. In five minutes, that popcorn will be gone. (laughs) Rolly was a big fan of saying Dick was wrong. That box of popcorn was gone in three minutes. (laughs) Because someone from custodial came and. Right. Somebody found it immediately. That's that's the kind of work ethic that he instilled in his people. I love the I love the I I don't know, man. Maybe it's because it's. Disney brand and maybe it's because of the park maybe because it's Rolly but I feel like any other industry you you take that story put it within the context of whatever it is right if you have Elon Musk telling that story right he comes off as the biggest asshole <laughs> but this is more like but this is like just watch just watch it'll be you know this no, is no, how no, this is how fluid everything is and how effective I don't need to do it because I have reliable people Right. Who knows exactly. what's going on? This is the effectiveness of my leadership. And yeah, I don't know. I like it. Dick met President Reagan oh, well. at the home of the U.S. ambassador at the time. Look, not everyone was, can be perfect. Okay. There we go. Well, uh, <laughs> Dick was an unapologetic Republican. Okay. And uh, yeah, so he met, he met President Reagan at the U.S. ambassador's house. They chatted about football at the time they were working on Epcot and trying to bring in all of these, all of these international workers to come and work at Epcot. All of so they required a lot of visas. These visas were not going through. Weird. So Dick, through talking about football with President Reagan, went, "Oh, by the way, we need these visas to go through so that we can we can." We can do Epcot. Yeah. Two weeks later, all of the visas were approved. Okay. All right. I love it. Nunes was also a big fan of, uh, for one day every month, he would not read. He would not write. He would not watch television. He would not listen to anything. 
because he said bears live so long because they hibernate. Ow! So after many, many years. Okay. I mean, I guess it's like a social media detox is what we would call it. <laughs> right. Now. Yeah. Okay. Great. Now, one day where you just rest. Uh, so May 26th, 1999, his 44th work anniversary, Dick Nunes retired. He had uh, his, his career really affected his, his life, his family. He, he divorced his first wife. Nice. Because not nice. I don't know. I'm just kidding, man. She, they had to divorce because he was constantly traveling. Yeah. Um, he, he did remarry. Uh, he had a son of his own and his, his, uh, second wife had children and, you know, he's, you know, he continued on from there, but, um, but yeah, he, after, after a long life with Disneyland, well, with Disney in general, uh, he was given on his, in the year of his retirement, a window in Disneyland, which is coast to coast people moving world leader in leisure management. Dick Nunes, proprietor, founded 1955 offices, Anaheim, Orlando, Tokyo. Wave machines, a specialty. <laughs> and That's the so same cute. year. That's such a good, like, summary. You know, I've, I imagine it's really hard to, to do a window for somebody. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. when they do so much, right, where you can, you can either go hyper-focused or a general overview, but you still have to make it sound like it's an actual advertisement. You, you, you have to do it. It's not just, you're not listing bullet points and stuff, right? Yeah. That's a really good succinct funny window i like that a yeah. lot. yeah oh yeah absolutely so in the magic kingdom and walt disney world he also got a window the original dick nunes gym turkish baths massage parlor 24-hour service supervisor dick nunes night manager ron miller masseur o ferrante so he's sharing a window with his with his pals from uh from usc and then he also has a hidden, as he says, it's a hidden newness in Cinderella's royal table at the restaurant that's inside Cinderella's castle at uh, Walt Disney World. Okay. There's a fake coat of arms hanging that says newness. And he was named a Disney legend in 1999 as well. Wow. So he lived out the rest of his life being a badass. <laughs> um, his legacy is... Disney University, the traditions program, all of the pillars of training for which Disney is known, efficiency, like working on process improvement on all of these rides and saying we need to measure what can be measured and then improve it. Yeah. Because Walt would not have let us continue not improving. Walt wanted it to be 100%. And if you reached 100%, it needed to be 110%. So measure everything that can be measured. Keep on improving. It's amazing that after all this time that, uh, I mean, the man rose up to president of Walt Disney Attractions. He was on the board of directors for many years. He finally wrote his memoir fairly recently, like last year. And, you know, this guy, like just he's he's the definition of legend. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've heard today and I know knowing nothing about him previously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, when you define a corporate structure like that. Right. 
defined a corporate structure, continued to improve that corporate structure, all based on his drive for success and what Walt wanted. He continued what Walt wanted his entire career. That's incredible. And uh, yeah, what what a great what a great guy. It's it's a shame that he has passed, but my my God, he was ninety one years old, dude. If what I, a great life. Yeah, if I could live to ninety one, <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Especially if I could still like know who I am and you know walk. That would be even oh better. yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah, the best he, man. He released this book. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure he was working on it for years. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, a lot of it. Please pick up the book. It's it's a great read. Most of the chapters are very quick, only a few pages for for like every single chapter is like three to five pages. It's not that much. Oh, that's nothing. It's a quick read. Yeah. But this guy created this partially as a memoir and partially as like a leadership book. All of his lessons learned are like, don't overestimate the importance of setting expectations. Establishing the main gate at Disneyland is an example of signaling to all that they are entering a special place. Every single chapter is, I'm telling you this story for a reason. Mm. Um, so it's great as a leadership book. It, it's just a great way of backing up some of these stories we've heard for years. Like that that sod story. I've heard the story of, of him saying green side up for so long. And he actually writes in that chapter, oh yeah, this is real. You've heard this story. You've probably heard this story before. And he talks about the... The opening day, like Black Sunday, the opening days of Disneyland, he confirms a lot of these stories, like women get, having their their you know heels stuck in the asphalt. <laughs> yeah, and he confirms a lot of this stuff, which is great because it's it's the most recent confirmation of that kind of stuff too. Right, right, and he's saying you know uh, every once in a while he says yeah I had to uh, listen back to an interview I did to to confirm this uh, it jogged my memory about the time I met. Richard Nixon at <laughs> Disneyland, but yeah, he, like, he was a little handsy, but otherwise he was fine. I know whatever. The book is fantastic. This guy is phenomenal. I, I sounds great. I, I've always loved hearing stories about him and then to read his own words. Yeah. Please seek out this book for yourself. What's uh, it called? Dick news. Uh, oh, well, thanks. Um, Welcome. Walt's Apprentice, Keeping the Disney Dream Alive. There you go. I'm glad you suggested it because, you know, it's uh, it's not every day anymore that we have people who are there on the ground floor. Right. Uh, passing away, which, you know, happens, but it's also kind of morbid. We're like, well, that's when you talk about someone, you know, it's when they get the promotion and when they die. That's yeah. it. The time in between, no one really cares because you're working or whatever, right? And he was there for 44 years. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> like, incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, that was cool. That's a good, that's a good career. Uh, you know who else has a good career? Uh, oh, Eric. Sully, our friend of the 21st Amendment, owner oh, and brewer Sully. of the 21st Amendment. Go to 21st-amendment.com and figure out where you can pick up probably some of the greatest craft beer you're ever going to have in your entire life. And I mean that uh, not because he's a, a friend of mine but because it's just darn good beer. Right now, uh, their popular seasonal beer is Hell or High Pomegranate, which is a classic American wheat beer. Uh, so it's a little tiny bit cloudy, but not really. You know, it's not like a German Hefeweizen, which is like kind of banana or clove or whatever. This is more of a clean producing, clean presenting beer biked with pomegranate juice, real pomegranate juice. And it's very, very refreshing uh, as we sort of hopefully move out of this like, you know, weird wall of water that we have. 
I don't know about you over there in Colorado, but here, man, God bless, we have been just getting inundated with rain. And where we are in East County, in the Bay Area, we don't get a whole lot of rain out out here because it all gets soaked up by like Oakland, you know, Berkeley, Concord moving through, and then Mount Diablo kind of blocks it from everybody okay. from, from us. Um, so when it hits us, the edge of the Central Valley, like you know, it's bad. Like there's a lot. <laughs> there's we we haven't had river. all. We haven't had a lot of uh, precipitation lately, but um, I, I I do really love Heller High pomegranate because <laughs> yeah, well, you, I, it's, it, you got to. It, it's it, it, it's always great when I I have to go to the I have to go to the big the big liquor store okay. to get Twenty First Amendment. Yeah, I like my local. I, I definitely support my local, but you have to. I have to go to the big one every once in a while to get something like the the scenar that we're gonna have for. Our secret show, yes, uh, tomorrow night, yeah, God, and um, and also to get Twenty uh, First Amendment beer because there you go, that's the only place I've ever seen it and uh, around here, and uh, it's fantastic. Well, you live in Colorado, which is a big uh, craft beer area, so I imagine oh, yeah. there's a lot of local people. But you should you should twist your local guy's arm. Anyway, Twenty First Amendment. If you're at, come out to the Bay Area, there's two locations: one in San Leandro, which is the big production brewery. It's fascinating. If you can sign up for a tour, which I don't even know if you can. But if you if you go there, you can just poke around these tanks. They had to. It's it's right next to the uh, Oakland Airport, as a matter of fact. And uh, like when you're outside, the planes will fly right overhead. It's pretty cool. But like the private ones, not the big, not the the big guys. Little private planes, little twenty seaters. Oh well, uh, so you get to see millionaires flying. Basically, yeah. Places. So when we were there, we went to uh, went to the two and a for uh, Terrence's birthday, and I Alice loves planes. All kids love planes. Like, oh man, look at that plane, Alice. She goes, well, I go, yeah. Wave hi to the millionaires. She goes, what? I'm like, it's fine. Um, but when they were installing the tanks in this, because it used to be an old Kellogg's facility, Kellogg's uh, plant, where they made pop tarts and cornflakes and whatever, right? Mm. And um, <laughs> <laughs> they had to they they cut hole in the roof to drop the tanks in. Speaking of processes and pro, you know and project management and stuff, and they had to get a permit with the FAA to have cranes because they you know they had these big giant tanks, these fifty hectoliter German tanks craned in, and so, so they had going to, in from the ceiling. That's crazy. They had to. There's no other way. So they had to. Uh, yeah, they had to get a permit to. To, to Doesn't Jamil usually just drive those in on like a, a forklift? This is such a different. <laughs> set up <laughs> these yeah the the ones jamil had were were yes you could probably do that these you can't the they're okay. they're they're tanks and massive huge wow. 50 hectoliters is oh gosh giant okay. yeah and several of them and uh so there was a, a no fly zone around the brewery for a couple hours because of that it was, it's wild anyway go there or if you're in san francisco uh five six three second street is their flagship not their flagship location but their original location uh, Selly brews there. So if you're in San Francisco, be sure to go back and see maybe he's brewing or whatever. But, uh, anyway, check him out. 21st Amendment. Good people. Good beer. Okay. We're, we're sort of getting to the end, but there's, I don't know. Okay. Here's a you couple of news. Yeah. I got some news, but here, here, let me just uh, address a couple things that we're going to be changing this year. Uh, Eric, first of all, or mainly no only, more Eric talking about Dick Nunes. That's right. That's over everybody. No. Um, I think what we're going to be doing, not I think, what we are going to be doing this year is sort of moving how we record the secret show. Uh, normally, what we would do on the second show of that month, we just stay on and do a secret show. 
and you know, and we we tough it out, and you know, we are a little bit Eric earlier. <laughs> we are a little bit earlier than Eric is. Eric is in Colorado, of course. <laughs> so what I, we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be doing secret show on a separate day. So like right now, it's ten o'clock where Eric is, almost ten thirty, and uh, the man's been up a long time. So we don't want to abuse Eric anymore. He's getting older. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that's what we're going to be doing. We are going to be uh, recording Secret Show, I think, tomorrow night. Eric, is that what you want to do? Yeah, that works great for me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's cool. So if you are listening live or whatever, there is no Secret Show tonight. There is one tomorrow, and that's at 8 o'clock. So we're going to be starting earlier. And, uh, you know, we can have a nice drink. We have a good cocktail. I I have to go to the store tomorrow and buy it. You haven't even bought it yet? No, I've been home with a sick kid. What am I going to do? Go out somewhere? Go out and buy the, the liquor. I don't know. I don't know either, man. Uh, take the kid with you. Have, have her cough on people. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's the I American did, way. I did feel bad. It, it really, you know what, brother? It is, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I did feel bad sending her to school like Tuesday and Wednesday, but she wears a mask. <laughs> So okay. I did it. I know that's good. And she was feeling better and her fever was gone. So I'm like, I don't know where this new sickness came in, but Hey, fever gone is is a good sign. I think but... so too. Yeah. yeah. And she was wearing a mask. Everything's fine. Um, okay, so with that being said, there's a couple of things that I think we should talk about on this show, and then we're gonna get out of here because it is a little uh, getting a little late. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the years up Disney News. Okay. Um, I guess following the 21st Amendment plug, you told me, Eric, that there is a brewery in uh, Walt Disney World. And I didn't believe you. I had to look it up on Disney's Boardwalk Resort or in Disney's Boardwalk Resort. Um, that is the Big River Grill and Brewing Works, which is yeah. uh, the Brewing Works is no Brewing Works is a weird name uh, that apparently closed four days ago. Yeah, that's disappointing. I was disappointed. I was like so fascinated with how they put a brewery here, and they were so good. The beer was fantastic. It was almost thirty years, three uh, right. nearly three decade run, permanently closed as of January twenty second. And if you walked into that brewery the day that they closed, you'd say, wow, it certainly feels like this brewery has been here for thirty years. <laughs> See. The- Here's the, the art thing, was man. so 90s. I, I, you know, for those of you who don't know, that's my background. You know what I mean? I'm a big beer guy. Come from a brewing podcast. I've been home brewing forever. And I've been to all these like old brew pubs that were open in the 90s and the 2000s. And I, that is my jam. If I walk in and there's walnut, um, like, <laughs> like oh, walnut and pa- pastel like streaks and all like, the wallpaper hat was pastel, but then all of the art in picture frames was also a pastel, like smush of pastel colors. Oh, see that that that's good, but like like <laughs> walnut wood booths with like a light green, you know, covering on the thing oh, or whatever, yeah. and like that to me is like <laughs> that's <in>. perfect. <laughs> that is the chef kiss of like beer pubs. I'm like, okay, I know these people know enough to still be in business. Right, but not enough to afford to remodel. <laughs> and so, and I feel like that's kind of good, you know. Where it's like, okay, I know, I know what to expect now because of because of what's going on here. They're staying afloat, and uh, you know what? Maybe we don't need to 
Yeah, or we they don't, don't need to refresh care, it, right? They just don't like. They just it doesn't even think. People of, keep coming and buying the beer. It, it's like it's like uh, you know when you're at home, right? And you're like, oh man, I should really sweep, or I should really clean the baseboard. I don't know whatever people do, right? And then you don't do it, and you go, oh, and you suddenly re- like you see it, or you have guests coming over. Like we were gonna have my nephew and his family come over on Saturday, and I was like, oh man, we haven't cleaned, or we're gonna be a mess. This is crazy. And then Alice got sick, and I was like, oh, okay, we don't have to clean now. Well, just at least call them and tell them not to come over. I think it's the same kind your, of thing. Your meatloaf is good. It's on point. Sure. Why not? And that's that's Big River. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's closed. I'm 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 disappointed that I will yeah. never visit it uh, because apparently they won a bunch of awards. And um, you know, I'm I'm fascinated with brew pubs because the operation. And when people were talking about uh, when Marvel's campus, Marvel's Avengers campus was opening in DCA. They're like, oh, the Ant-Man place is going to be a brewery. And I said, unequivocally, no, it's not. Because there's <laughs> such a, a, there's like such a large amount of infrastructure that needs, to be, that needs to be in place to move that grain. You know what I mean? So you, if you have a five-barrel or seven-barrel brew house, that's a couple thousand pounds of wet, stinky malt that you have to extract and there's a whole sewer thing. There's like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, especially in California, that you need to like re- be represented. Disneyland DCA does not have the infrastructure for that. But I, so I'm like surprised well, yeah. that uh, this place did. And you know, like you said, they're they were they're grain. They're not even just extract. Like it's just kind of like wild to me. So anyway, they're gone. Rest in peace. Uh, hopefully they they open up somewhere else. Well, I mean, Big River. I think it's a Tennessee brewery. Like oh, that's, that's right. The main... You said it was a chain. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah it, it's yeah. not like a chain chain. Like they have two locations. They have the main one. Yeah. And then they have this Disney world one. Okay. Which well, is kind of weird, but I, I met, I met the brewer multiple times back. I mean, it, it became a place that I wanted to go every single time I went when I finally that's went. cool. And said, "Oh, the the food's good. the The beer is good. I want to visit this place all the time." Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I talked about, you know, we talked about hop, you know, beer stuff, the hop beer bill, stuff. and yeah, all, yeah. Uh, we talked beer stuff. All right, and uh, yeah, it was a good place. And I'm sorry it's gone. And I doubt Disney is going to buy that five barrel <laughs> brew system. Oh, dude, yeah, for sure. Especially now, they're gonna put in some other whatever. Um, but the big thing I want to talk about is the uh, Disneyland Forward program, the development that was uh, sort of talked a little bit about last week, or maybe it was earlier this week. Um, Disneyland has proposed investing at least $1.9 billion. I've seen al- almost like $2.4 billion. So the numbers, I think, are a little bit weird. Yeah. Uh, into the Disneyland Resort over the next few decades and will provide Anaheim millions more for housing and parks in a development agreed excuse me in a development agreement presented to the city council see seeing that they're going to do housing to me that that's great perfect because we need more housing you know i mean we have urban sprawl sort of kills like people talk about how expensive everything is well yeah because there's single family homes being built all over the place we need apartments <laughs> we just really do the proposal is called Disneyland Forward and still needs to go through several more meetings with Anaheim officials before its conclusion. There are no details what Disney will do, but the broad strokes mean the company would have flexibility to choose where it builds new theme park areas, hotels, and dining. That, to me, is very, very important. Disney does not ever want to be locked into any one decision. So they're going to keep that nebulous as much as possible. Oh, yeah. 
yeah let's just 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 vague book it it's fine yeah but for sure some of this some of this stuff will happen yes i think some of it will happen yeah um, in return for that concession, Disney would g- guarantee the city $30 million for affordable housing and $8 million for parks and money for nearby road improvements. Quote, we listened to Anaheim's leaders and worked hard to address what is important for the city. Ken Potrock, president of the Disneyland Resort, said in a statement, we are proud that Disneyland Ford will provide many important benefits directly to the residents of Anaheim. Unless you work for the parks, in which case we will argue, we will fight to pay you the minimum that we have to. The development agreement would last. That's not really his quote. The development agreement would last until <laughs> 2064, which seems why. Will I be alive in 2064, Eric? I'm 46. Yes, 40, 50, 70. I'll be almost 80. Yeah. I should be alive by then. If I hope I'm alive by then, Jesus. Yeah, yeah we'll, I'll still we'll, probably be we'll doing be the show. We'll be in our 80s. Oh, um, yeah. I hope so. My family is is notoriously uh, long lived, but yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I I drink too much. So it's true. Well, see, this is the main reason I'm trying not to. I want to be around to th- see the conclusion of Disneyland Ford. It's estimated that Disney would wind up spending 2.5 billion dollars at the end of 2064. God, and so city council's voting uh, by spring. Is what they say. Spring 2064? <laughs> Probably. Uh, this year. What, what year is this year? 2024. No, no. That's too soon. So you go to DisneylandForward.com and um, you can see I love that, what's going that, uh, that concept art that they put out a couple of years ago. Disneyland Forward is a great resource for looking at great art. <laughs> yeah absolutely man so you can go to like uh li- the limitations section so they put like what limitations there are they say 1990s use uses and approvals a decision to separate types of growth by district and then disney today approvals to build without the space to do so and they're just, just kind of like saying oh this is what's happening so in the 90s they're like well we had disneyland and then a big ass parking lot and then now we have DCA and we have, so they're, they're saying this is what we could do. If you give us space, we'll give you all this kind of stuff that everyone loves. Although I don't think that using DCA is necessarily a selling point. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard from, well, I heard from a, a, a plaid on my last trip that uh, the toy story parking lot is going away and we're going to put some stuff there. Nice. And he doesn't, he, he didn't know what stuff was going there, but probably that Pandora experience and probably Tron. Yeah. Whatever I, that means. I'm I look, I'm sure the Tron thing is cool. It looks cool, but I don't I don't know, man. I, it would be an interesting experiment to 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 armchair imagine you're like what else should go there except for besides Tron. Uh, yeah, like, like what, Tron, what's, what's Tron the theme? 2, yeah, Tron 2 did not do well enough. I'm surprised. They're working on a Tron 3. They are, yeah. Which I'm surprised at. I and, love Tron 1 and 2. Let's just let's just put it out there. And that's fine, but here, What a surprise. The, the the surprise was that they did Tron 2 because Tron 1 is more like a cult classic. Yeah. Tron 2 oh, yeah. tanked, but they're dumping a bunch of money in Tron 3 because they got these light cycle rides. Which is mm-hmm. fine. And it's cool. It seems like a cool technology. But I just don't I don't know. I, I don't really think the Tron brand necessarily elicits such excitement. 
Maybe, maybe the Toy Story parking lot will become the Walt's apartment experience. <laughs> They'll just if Walt could have built the mansion of his dreams, this is what it would look like, <laughs> and you could stay here. How much do yes. you want to bet this? This some of this expansion is going to be like super elite club 33 membership type of stuff where like you know you have to reserve i think some of these disney experiences we've learned lately in the last 10 years there's enough money in it where people are going to pay exorbitant amount of money to have these experiences so some of this has to include a way to upsell the super rich Uh, so you're saying i need to get a couple more promotions Yes, I need to get a job, and you need to get more promotions, and then right. together I'll, we can, I'll take you with, man. No, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we can a couple more we can promotions. Watch the rich people walk by when we when can, I get up can, into seven just figures. A ticket. Yeah, <laughs> when I when when I get into five figures, and you get into seven, then maybe we can pay taxes for somebody. There we go. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll um, make some friends. That's it. There's um. Oh yeah, Tortilla Joe's is closing in March in downtown Disney. I, I was gonna leave, but th- but let's talk about Tortilla Joe's real fast. Hey, uh, yeah, any um, any any of our, our listeners who are big Club Thirty Three folks, uh, anybody who who does make six or seven <laughs> or twelve figures, please uh, get back to us and uh, help us reopen Tortilla Joe's. Right. I ate there once. And um, me too. And it saved my life. And uh, the only time I remember eating there, actually, I've eaten there twice. The last time I remember eating there, there was such a line to get in. And then uh, I think Taryn was like, hey, there's like an outdoor bar on the side. What does, do you think that is? And we're like, oh, oh I yeah. don't know. And you just walk yeah. right up and order food there. The taqueria is, some- is great. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the, f- <laughs> what is this? Why are people waiting? <laughs> What's going on? People are stupid. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, Tortilla Joe's is leaving. It's closing on March 31st at the outdoor shopping mall next to Disneyland, otherwise known as Downtown Disney, while the restaurant's grab-and-go taqueria will remain open until April 13th. Tortilla Joe's is offering Lunar New Year and Valentine's Day promotions to entice longtime customers who wish to raise a final toast to the Downtown Disney establishment. Let me tell you, the food is not Stole. that good. Yeah, <laughs> the food is not that good. To... Uh, be enticed by Valentine's Day promotions to come raise a final toast. It's not, it's not, that's like Applebee's closing down. Nobody cares that much. Raise, raise a michelada at home. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yasu to Tortilla Joe's. Reservations <laughs> can be made through March 25th with walk-ins available final week of service. And so that's uh, basically, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, the cantina's closing to make way for a trio of new restaurant concepts featuring Mexican cuisine by Michelin-starred chef Carlos Gaitan. Carlos is going to make three restaurants in one restaurant? Well, that guy I, is magic. I think what they're doing is they're doing like a little, like um, like an indoor market kind of a thing. Like a food, oh, well. Like a food well, court kind of a thing. We're already doing the food hall in another chunk of, Oh, Downtown is that Disney, not right? it? Okay, well, maybe that's it. Gaitan's yeah. Paseo Restaurant, uh, Centrico Courtyard Bar, and Tendita Grab and Go Stand are set to open this spring in the space formerly occupied by the Bettina Group's Catal Restaurant, Uva Bar. Uva Bar's going away? Uva Bar's gone, Dios bro. Dios mio. Catal is closed. There's a big old... If you, had, if you had gone to Disneyland recently, you would have seen a large... A chunk of it, it would have reminded you of uh, Jeremy's Epcot with the amount of board really? that is around 
that chunk of downtown Disney. Look, I wish yeah. we could have gone. We just, you know, like I said. No, I got it. Yeah. Homie needs a chunk. Um, I liked Uva Bar, <laughs> but one thing that bothered me with Uva Bar, it was highly overpriced. You can get some really cool beer that I'd never seen. They get some really cool, authentic German, like Oktoberfest uh, lager when I went there eight, ten years ago. Whatever. Um, but it was like 11 bucks then for a beer. I'm like, this is, wait, this is, I don't even pay this at, at like a hockey game. This is it's, insane to me. Yeah, it was pricey, but there was there was something about it where I'm like, I'll go there. It's yeah, why not? Because it's, it's it's a unique dining experience. The Parkside yeah. Market Food Hall concept by the Levy Group will feature Soul Sister. That's S E O U L, which is Korean rice bowls. I love a rice bowl, dude. It, you can't stop me. Sip and Sonder, which is Caribbean inspired inspired coffee house. I don't know how Starbucks feels about that. Uh, Gigi's Chicken Shop, which is rotisserie and fried chicken sandwiches, and a rooftop bar. Sounds good to me, brother. Also coming to yeah. Downtown Disney in 2024, Din Tai Fung Soup Dumpling. Have you had a soup lump dumpling before, Eric? You know what a soup uh, dumpling is? Yes, I've had a soup dumpling they in, are in the past. Amazing. Here's my thing. Dumpling okay. houses are going to be the next pho restaurants. I'm in for it. Have because I said that? I'm not. I'm not all that on board with pho. Pho is fine. Yeah. Soup dumplings are far superior than pho. Oh I'm yeah. Yeah. Right absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Porto's Bakery and a new permanent Earl of Sandwich shop. Man, Earl of Sandwich. Like, if if <laughs> Jumping Earl, if, around. if if Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in in WDW had the support that Earl of Sandwich out here had, you guys would still have that ride. Earl of Sandwich fans out here are friggin' nuts. They're insane. <sighs> Don't, surprised don't, they're not stapling their ears to the door. Like, don't don't close up, it. Don't bring up Toad. This I'm, is my favorite. I'm, I'm wistful. At Walt Disney World, Patina operates the Edison, which is classic American fare in an industrial gothic setting. So you play a lot of Nine Inch Nails, apparently, there. Uh, there are nine. Yeah, well, no, they don't play in Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> they play like 20s style stuff, but they have people walking yeah. around on stilts and they have scantily clad folks and oh, they. Well, they I'm all right it, the Edison is fantastic. I love the Edison. I love a stilt. Yeah. Uh, the Disneyland Ford proposal teased Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar as the kind of Indiana Jones themed bar that Anaheim is missing out on under current city development guys. Yeah, Taryn and I went there when it was shortly opened, and uh, they were it was so excuse me so new that uh, we got the drink the that you get like the monkey head mug mm-hmm. for, but they didn't have any mugs yet. Oh no. But uh, our friend Aaron went and he shipped it to me. So I'm like, okay, perfect. Um, anyway, there's a lot of kind of stuff going on here. But uh, there's a lot happening with Downtown Disney. But uh, Tortilla Joe's, gone. Uh, well. So don't count on that next time you're walking around Downtown Disney going, I'm half, you know, I'm half cocked, ready to go <laughs> because I have just came from DCA. Yeah, well, if you if you really need to complain, uh, reach out to CEO Nick Valenti, uh, the CEO of the Patina Restaurant Group. Um, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Nick Valenti. I don't know why I know this. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, this is what I'm saying about you. You know, like the weirdest people. Well, I don't know him personally. What's his personally. email address? No, I what's mean, his email address? Uh, well, it's uh, it's n.valenti. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Is it really? It probably is. I don't know. All right. Sorry, I forgot to uh, load my uh, outro music. I got my, I had to send my roadcaster in for repairs. Oh, yeah. Um, And I got it back. And it was, even though they sent a note, 
even though it's out of warranty, we did it as a one-time complimentary service. They replaced the screen. They reset it for me. Um, and I kind of feel bad because then I returned my Roadcaster Duo. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, no. I just uh, basically uh, allowed them to pay for my replacement and then not... Uh, not keep it. I don't know. Well, thanks to uh, Road CEO Damian Wilson that I actually <laughs> did look up right now. <laughs> Damian, thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> you very much for uh, for allowing me to fleece, to borrow, I should say, to borrow something, you know, a little bit. Anyway, whatever. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I, I appreciate it. Um, I would talk about the Patreon secret show, but uh, the show won't be out until that records, so don't worry about it. But in the future... The link will be in Patreon probably that day because that's just how I am. And uh, I do apologize about that. But don't forget to join our Discord channel. Uh, all of the information to join that is in our show notes of every show. Also, be sure to follow us on YouTube. I would love to get uh, the subs up to 1,000. That would be nice for me. I think that would be pretty fun for everybody else. And uh, the, the show always has a robust little chat service in there, chat stream. So... You can join other, uh, you know, friggin' weirdos who like this show and uh, all the shows we do because it's fun. And uh, what else? We have a lot of cool stuff on the Etsy page. It's, go to our website. We have a website. You can find all the links and do all the kind of stuff there. But anyway, uh, Eric, good job. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. SOB Thanks. number two. That's you. And um, until next time, everyone, we'll see you. <laughs>